Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fans' next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Quick question. How many pairs of running shoes are in your closet right now? No judgment and don't worry, I won't tell your partner the real answer. At one point at the height of my own marathon training, my collection was certainly in the low double digits and probably took up about a quarter of the real estate in my closet. But that is nothing compared to the collection Michael Co. has. Known online as Kafuzi, Mike Co. has an incredibly popular YouTube channel and podcast dedicated to running, and more often than not, he's talking about running shoes. Logging thousands of miles per year and documenting every pair, Kafuzi has become an accidental expert and influencer on everything about running shoes. I'm not sure if Kafuzi has tried every single running shoe on the planet yet, but if not, he is really, really close. Welcome to The Planted Runner. I'm Coach Claire Bartholik, and my mission is to help you improve your running, your mindset, and your life with science-backed training and plant-based nutrition. In this conversation, Kafuzi and I go into everything we can think of about running shoes. You'll learn the anatomy of a running shoe, the high-tech advancements and why they work, what types of shoes are best for every kind of run, and Mike reveals his very favorite brands and models of the past year. Whether you've got a closet full of fresh foam and carbon fiber, or you own just one trusty pair of trainers, don't order your next pair without listening to or watching this on YouTube first. Before we dive deep into the episode, I want to thank everyone who has already gotten a copy of my book, The Planted Runner, Running Your Best with Plant-Based Nutrition. Keep on sharing your picks online and tagging me. If you haven't gotten your copy yet, it's available now wherever books are sold. I include everything you need to become a better runner all in one place, fueled by plants. Or you can enter a win, a signed copy from me for free. To enter, just write a five-star review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts. I read every single one, and I will randomly choose a winner at the end of each month of this entire year. Reviews of the show are the most critical way the show gets more listeners, so I'd love to reward you when you write one. 
Support for this episode is brought to you from my friends at Prevenix. They make my new favorite premium plant-based protein powder called Nurify. I'll explain more later on in the show or head to Prevenix.com now and use the coupon code PR15 to get 15% off. And now here's my conversation with Kafuzi. Welcome to the Planted Runner, Mike. Thanks for having me here. I'm excited to be on today. I am super excited to have you on the show. We are going to dive deep into one of your favorite topics, running shoes. So I know a fair thing about running shoes, but I admit that I really don't get into too much of the details. I pretty much tell people, go to your favorite running store, get fitted and figure out what you like because everybody is so different. So I would love to hear your advice. Let's say I'm a brand new runner, just getting involved in the sport. What should I be looking for in a running shoe? I mean, I think there's kind of two things that I usually tell people that are new and thinking about shoes is one, like if you don't have a pair of running shoes right now, don't let that stop you from starting. You probably already have enough to just get out the door and do a little bit of something today. And then when you have time, when your body might start telling you, hey, we need something a little bit more specifically designed for running, then you can always go do that. So don't let not having something ever stop you from starting. Um, but I would say the advice that you talked about is the exact advice that I would give to a lot of people is, you know, don't be afraid to go in the running store. The people there love talking about running. They love helping yes. people get into running shoes and tell them like, you know, I just started. I'm not trying to become a professional marathon or anything, but I want to start getting into some of this or I want to do it with some of my friends. Tell them all that that's going to really help them figure out like the kind of shoes that are going to work for you. And, you know, let the people that do this for a living really help you kind of figure out the kind of shoe that you might want. Uh, because sometimes the shoes that we are maybe more visually drawn to might not always be the best one for the kind of just like, you know, three or four times a week getting out there and getting our run in kind of shoe. So they can kind of like help you stay, you know, prevent you from kind of hurting yourself in, in that kind of way. Not that the shoes are going to hurt you, but like they can kind of funnel you in the right direction of the way that's going to make it so that you have the most enjoyable experience possible. Yeah. But if, I know that some people are a little bit intimidated by the running shoe stores, especially in the beginning. So the other thing that I would say is, you know, you can do a little bit of research. That's where a lot of people kind of find me on the internet um, and start looking at like, you know, best daily trainer is kind of like the phrase that I usually have people look for because there are a lot of different kinds of shoes out there. Some are for racing, some are for just kind of for every day. Some might be a little bit better for if you're also going to be doing a little bit of gym, maybe some weightlifting. You know, so, but if you're talking about like, you know, what's a good general purpose running shoe, I recommend people start searching for the term daily trainer. Okay, good. So is this, would you say this is a myth or this is, there's a kernel of truth to you need to break in your running shoes. You know, you need your first few runs might not feel so good, but once they're broken in, then they're going to be okay. What do you say about that? I'd say that maybe used to be very true. But something that I frequently say uh, in the running shoe reviews that I uh, put out is like, it's 2023 now. Usually I say it's 2022 or 2021, <laughs> but it's the 2020s. 
And the shoes aren't made out of leather anymore. They don't usually have a huge slab of rubber on the outsole. And the foams are much more sophisticated than they used to be, maybe back when we ran in high school, which for me was quite a long time ago. And so like, there's been a lot of advances in all the technologies, both in terms of the textiles, the outsole, the midsole. And so I usually don't think that a shoe needs to be broken in. And I feel like if it does, that to me is like kind of a negative. I really want to be able to enjoy the shoe right out of the box. I don't want a baseball mitt. I want a running shoe. So like it sh <laughs> I should be able to use it like that same day. Okay, good. Because that's the same thing I tell people too. Okay. It's like, okay. if, you have to, <laughs> <laughs> if right. you have to break it in, it's the wrong shoe for you. Right. <laughs> Let's go over the anatomy of a running shoe. I mean, you like you said, it's become very sophisticated, mm -hmm. very complicated. There's a lot of terms out there when it comes to a running shoe. So what are we talking about? There's so much, you know, technology in these things that we put on our feet. So can you just kind of break it down? What are all the parts and pieces that we should be aware of? Yeah, so for me as like a running shoe enthusiast, the thing that I'm usually most concerned about is the midsole. And when you think about like a running shoe, like what are you standing on? That part that you're standing on is, I mean, to really distill it down is that your feeling is that midsole. That's the foam that's in there. That's either going to be well a, a variety of different kind of chemical kind of compounds that are in there or different foams, um, but that's what's really going to define the experience for you. How much of it is there? Is it a bouncy kind of thing? Is it a denser kind of thing? Is it a squishy thing? There's all these different kinds of adjectives that you can kind of apply that kind of describe what's the experience going to be like underfoot. And that's where a lot of kind of personal preferences come into play. Um, but that's like the main thing that I talk about. And that's like the main thing when you look at like the running shoe, that's really what you're seeing. Then there's mm -hmm. the upper, which is the top part that touches your foot. You know, it's a, the upper part of the shoe, uh, the, the part where the laces are and the tongue is, but that's the upper. Um, and then there's the outsole. And that's what kind of like, that's the part where the rubber meets the road. That's usually <laughs> rubber is going to be the outsole. Some shoes don't even have rubber anymore or some have very little. But usually those are the, the three main parts, upper, middle, and outsole. So upper, midsole, and outsole. Okay. And then we have the carbon plate shoes. Mm -hmm. So they, when, um, you know, maybe about a decade ago is when they really started hitting the market. They were all the rage and um, people were like, oh, we're putting springs in our shoes. They were pogo sticks, <laughs> you know. And now there's really not a legitimate company that doesn't have a carbon plated shoe in, in their um, repertoire. So what's the deal with the carbon plate? So the carbon plates uh, typically are reserved for kind of your racing shoes. So the ones that are going to be a little bit faster. And I like to think of them more like kind of like regular cars that you might use to commute to work and a race car. So like there's going to be different kind of like things that are kind of disregarded depending on the use and some things that are going to be included. So like a race car might not have a radio or air conditioning because you want to be as light as fast as possible. And so like the racing shoes are kind of the same way. Carbon fiber plates that they put inside the shoes are something that help it get a little bit springier and also um, give it a little bit of stability because the foams that they're putting in these shoes are different than the foams that you might see in your daily trainer. So they might be a little bit squishier, but also bounce really quickly. But because they're kind of like 
moving a lot more every time your foot hits the ground, they can be a little bit wobbly depending on how you're mm -hmm. hitting it. So the carbon plate does two things. It not only evens out some of the squish when your foot hits the ground, but also you bend that plate and it wants to unbend. So when people say spring, that's not exactly right, but it's springy. So it's not a terrible kind of adjective to use. So that's the, those are the kind of the two things that the carbon plates do. And we're starting to see them now mm -hmm. in more shoes than just the racing shoes, but that's typically when people are talking about carbon, they're talking about the racing shoes. Mm -hmm. And that fancy foam, that um, doesn't seem to last very long, right? The fancier the foam, the, yeah. the quicker it seems to wear out, right? Yeah. I mean, there's been some um, adjustments to that as like kind of the chemical companies, all the chemists are starting to figure out ways to provide both the high performance, but also some longevity and durability too. But again, that's where I kind of lean on that race car analogy. Like you don't expect a race car to hit 100,000 miles, but right. we do really want that out of our, you know, cars that we're taking our kids to school in uh, or they were going to the work or to the store. Like we need that kind of reliability. So, you know, like durability and longevity are some of the things that fall to the wayside when you're talking about racing and trying to get from the start to the finish as fast as possible. Um, but, you know, people are also realizing, you know, like we, we can't just have a single use disposable shoe. So, you know, we yeah. got to make sure that they last at least a little while longer. And I feel like in the last kind of five years, they've really come a long way, you know, industry wide. Yeah. And especially when, you know, they're $250, mm -hmm. you know, for most of those shoes, like that's pretty much the set point now <laughs> for yeah. any kind of fancy shoe. You, you wear it for race day and then that's it, right? So hopefully we'll get a little bit more mileage out of them. Um, speaking of mileage, uh, how do you know when your shoe just should be retired? Yeah, so I think that like for your daily trainers, the kinds that you would wear multiple times through the week for most of the kinds of runs that you're going to do, um, I usually look for about ballpark figure 250 to kind of 300 miles, maybe a little bit more than that. And it's definitely a situation of your mileage may vary uh, depending on the kinds of surfaces you run on, like your own individual kind of running style, how your foot's hitting the ground, that kind of thing. Um, but 250 to 300 is usually kind of like, you know, that's a good spot. And not everyone keeps, you know, really detailed accounting of their miles like like I do. Um, so I would say like, you know, if it's if you can't really remember when you bought the shoe and the mm -hmm. shoes don't really feel all that fun to run in, then it might be time to think about a new one. And that's kind of like a very long winded way of saying like, you know, not everyone knows how to do this. But like if you can listen to your body, usually your body will tell you when it's time for a new pair of shoes. So like my theory is always like I'd rather leave a couple of miles in the shoe than have like kind of like a mini stress fracture or something that feels right. really kind of odd in the heel um, for no reason other than like maybe I've just been wearing this shoe for too long. Are, are there any um, signs on the shoe itself that we can look for? Um, you know, we don't take notes. We don't we don't know how long how long we you know, when we bought the shoe. Can we flip it over and look at look at the wear marks like a tire? Uh, in some ways, uh, yeah, like if if you feel like the rubber is really like wearing down and you've got like ball tires kind of look on the bottom of your shoes, then it's most likely a good time to switch out that pair. 
But the way that the foams are working these days in conjunction with the rubber, usually the foams need to be replaced before the rubber is showing like a tremendous amount of wear. So like, you know, I think for like the regular life cycle of most shoes, for most people, they'll wear them for a while. And then, you know, all of a sudden at the end of a week, you'll be like, I don't know, I just have more aches this week than I normally do. If you've had that shoe for a little bit, it's probably time to look at the shoe, even if the underside of it, the outsole, looks like it could handle a little bit longer. But that's a good time. You don't have to necessarily throw that shoe away, but that can then become like you're walking around to your casual wear shoe and you kind of retire it to like non-running use. It's still mm -hmm. a good shoe. The upper materials are probably still looking great too. You can still use it, but you know, for your regular runs, something that you're, you know, you're trusting your feet to, it might be time to at least think about the next one because, you know, again, I'd rather people like, mm, maybe I could have feel that regret than feel the regret of an injury. You know? Right, right. And then we get all these runners mowing the lawn in $250 <laughs> carbon plated shoes. They're like, yeah. ah, you know, <laughs> um, so let's go back to, okay. So we talked about the beginner runner trying to mm -hmm. find your very first pair of shoes. Let's, mm -hmm. let's move on up the scale a little bit. Intermediate runner, maybe somebody who's run a marathon or two, or somebody who's doing halves, 5Ks, whatever. Um, what kind of shoes should we have in our rotation? What are we looking for? How many shoes? Why? should we rotate our shoes all of that good stuff yeah so like once you've had like kind of like one and only one pair of shoes which is generally how i recommend a lot of people set start out you don't gotta go out and buy a, a whole bunch of stuff um the next shoe i usually recommend for people is not necessarily the most practical second purchase but that's usually when i'm like maybe it's time to look at a racing shoe because I feel like that's a nice way to reward yourself for all this running you're doing and remind yourself that running isn't just a chore. It, there's a, it's a, a means to an end. A after a while, you might really start to enjoy just the run itself. But I remember when I was starting out, it did really feel like I'm only doing this so I can go to the race. Right. And so I want to make sure people are rewarded and feel great on that race day. So that's when I usually think it might be time to look for a race shoe. You don't have to go up to that $250 price point. You can usually find some of them on sale if they're kind of last year's versions as well, which is a great place to find a bargain. But there's also kind of like speed day shoes, shoes mm -hmm. that are a little bit lighter, might not have as much cushion, um, but are going to be a little bit more nimble and more geared towards um, race day or some of those workouts. And so I feel like having that kind of fun option is a really great way to kind of give some positive encouragement to people who have made it through like the initial difficulty of like creating this new running habit and are now looking for that kind of like next level of like, all right, how do I like, where, where's the next unlock? Where's the next adventure and running? I think racing doesn't have to be everyone's main thing, but it is kind of a fun way to see how your fitness is progressing. Yeah. And, and there is a difference between, I suppose, a speed shoe versus a racing shoe for most people anyway. I mean, I remember, you know, I would run on the track in my Saucony type A's, which are basically like a slipper, you know, mm -hmm. they're the tiniest little thing, you know, but I felt so fast and light and I don't know if it was psychological. And I think I even wore, wore them in a marathon. Um, <laughs> but I have to tell you, after the big squishy carbon plated shoes came out, I mean, that that's like a Cadillac. I would much rather <laughs> I'd much rather race a marathon in super squishy shoes than any thin shoes. But for the track, you know, you might choose something different. Can you explain that? Yeah. So for the track, the surface that you're running on 
I mean, there's sometimes tracks that are like paved blacktop that are just in the shape of that oval. But a lot of tracks that like at your local high school are going to be made out of a soft and kind of rubbery material. And so like you don't have to have as much cushioning on the shoe. Um, because the surface itself is nice and squishy and bouncy. And so you can get away with a little bit lighter of a shoe, a little bit more nimble of a shoe. Um, and usually when you're on the track, I mean, you know, I know a lot of people like to jog around the track and that's a great way to use it too. But for me, the way that if I'm on a track, it's usually going to be a tough day. It's going to be <laughs> a, a hard workout. There's going to be a lot of sweating and maybe a little bit of dry heaving too. And so like, I want to <laughs> really feel light and have that light pair of shoes uh, to be able to use. So like, that's where she like the, the, the Saucony type A, which I don't think I've seen one of those in a long time. It's been a while. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, shoes that are like really like kind of very low to the ground, you get a really great sense of the surface that you're, you're, you're running on. Uh, those can be a really fun option because it does make you feel like you're very connected to the surface and that you're pretty much just flying. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that kind of segues into minimalist shoes in general, you know, so I've had lots of minimalist uh, people on the show, you know, Christopher McDougall and, you know, the guy from Zero Shoes, and they're just like, run free, run natural, run in sandals. And then you get the people who are just completely going the opposite way, high tech, squishy as possible. You know, no elite has, you know, raced a marathon except, you know, back in the 60s and won with minimalist shoes. So... Mm. I can kind of tell where you are on that spectrum, but but <laughs> how would you how would you characterize that kind of debate? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I am a fan of minimalist shoes. I don't think it's really for me, but because I, I just really like to have a lot of squish and comfort underneath my feet, um, and I think that a lot of the problems that I think that people are trying to solve with minimalist shoes um, can maybe also be. So solved alternatively with like good mobility work and like some of strengthening of those stabilizer muscles and maybe even a good strength routine uh, which is one of those things that is always on my new year's resolution list of this is the year that i'm really going to get into it and then i kind of i've gotten mo better at mobility uh, but not not always <laughs> but i feel like those are the kinds of things that we're all kind of trying to solve the same problem is how do we run in a way that we can enjoy running and do it in an injury-free way or as the least amount of risk. And for me, kind of what I've settled on, and I know there's a lot of different preferences out there, is I like the big squishy shoes, both for everyday training and for the racing as well, um, because I like a lot of running. And I probably race more than a person who's trying to optimize their you know, PR performance might race. But I'm, I'm okay with that because I have a lot of fun at the races. I see a lot of my friends at races um, and I enjoy running every day. And so for me, I feel like the way that I can get there is by having a little bit more comfort under my feet. And I don't, I don't think I've ever really had the strongest of feet to begin with. So I feel like I'm, you know, I'm going to try and not swim upstream on this one and just kind of go to the shoes that my feet like and then make sure the rest of my body is um, in a condition where it can kind of handle all the bumps from, uh, from, uh, from the miles. I'll get back to the episode in just a minute, but I quickly wanted to invite you to run with me in my beautiful hometown this fall. September 14th through 17th, I will be hosting a four day running retreat in the Blue Ridge Mountains in Asheville, North Carolina. 
We will be staying in luxury cabins right on the French Broad River where we can run right out the door. You'll get run coaching, strength training classes, guest lectures, and more. And of course, it will feature amazing plant-based food and a little nightlife as well. I've led many of these retreats over the years and I am so excited to be hosting this one in my backyard. Spaces are very limited and it's first come first serve. So sign up today at theplantedrunner.com slash retreat. I'll be offering early bird pricing until March 1st, 2023. So be sure to take advantage of that as soon as you can. I can't wait to run with you this September. Now I've got to share that I have finally found a partner for The Planted Runner that I believe in enough to share with you, and that is Neurify by Prevenex. You know that I'm a huge advocate of getting everything you need for your best health and performance from whole plant foods. But when you're a busy athlete, that just doesn't always work out. I know I need more protein as a runner, especially being plant-based, and I don't wanna just eat blocks of tofu every single meal. But finding a vegan protein powder that meets my high standards hasn't been easy until my friend Whitney told me about Neurify by Prevenex. Neurify only uses the highest quality, most clinically effective and beneficial ingredients and nothing else. The protein is a perfectly balanced amino acid blend of organic yellow pea from Canada and brown rice from the UK. The micronutrients and the probiotics are of the highest quality as well and everything goes through pharmaceutical grade testing to make sure it's free from contamination from heavy metals that, in case you haven't heard, is a real issue with other protein sources on the market. Neurify is a premium meal replacement solution for busy athletes that understand that they need quality nutrition with none of the fillers and junk. But I wouldn't even be talking about this if it weren't delicious. My favorite recipe is to blend a scoop of chocolate Neurify, a little peanut butter with a frozen banana and some plant milk. My friends at Prevenix are giving the Planted Runner listeners 10% off your first order with the coupon code PR15. And when you come back for more, you'll get 10% off every subscribe and save order. Head to www.prevenix.com and use my code PR15 to get started today. Hear Her Sports is a podcast for everyone who loves stories by and about women striving to improve and make a difference in their lives. I am your host, Elizabeth Emery, a former professional cyclist. In every episode, I introduce a female athlete or woman in the business of sport through a thoughtful conversation about who they are and the terrific work they're doing. My guests and I explore the glorious and frustrating issues in sports, history, equity, training, nutrition, and so much more. Join us for inspiration, for community, and for love of being a strong athletic woman. Yeah, yeah. I I definitely do a little bit of both, but um, for comfort, I do like a bigger shoe for sure. But um, when I'm in the gym, I do that either barefoot if they let me (laughs) or in really minimalist shoes because I actually do want my feet working and and being super connected to the ground when I'm trying to lift. Um, I I don't know about you. It sounds like you don't lift. (laughs) Yeah, you know, yeah, I, 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 I do from, I go in very short spurts. Um, hey, but I do that think works. That, like, yeah, I mean, I keep all, I mean, keep hoping that like at some point 
it'll, it'll catch and become more of a habit, but you know, I'm trying not to be too hard on myself about it, but I do think that a big problem with a lot of people is taking that same running shoe and going to the gym, especially because mm -hmm. there's heel drops and there is a big squishy foam on it. Like putting a lot of extra load on it isn't good for you in your running shoe or for the running shoe itself. So I'm, I, mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of finding like a good cross trainer or a very like low drop type of shoe for the gym because I feel like that is where like planting the feet without any of that extra angle that the running shoes would apply um, is important for you to be able to be very stable for lifting heavier weights. Yeah. Well, let's talk about um, the stack height or the heel height or the, you know, the zero drop versus a heel. So, you know, typically running shoes would have a little bit of a heel, but then, you know, the natural running uh, revolution kind of took over. And then a lot of companies came out with zero drop. So absolutely flat or neutral kind of shoes. Um, some people say you got to be in neutral because that teaches you better form. And then other people say, no, you need a little bit of a heel or you're going to have Achilles problems. So can, can you kind of walk us through kind of the pros and cons of, of the stack height issue? Yeah, I think that for a lot of people that are starting out with running, I think that the shoes that they will gravitate towards are the ones that are going to have a little bit more heel drop. So in other words, like a little bit more cushion under your heel than in the than in the forefoot. It's kind of looking like like a drag car a little bit, you know, where there's a giant wheel in the back and tiny ones up front and there's an angle to it. I think there's something about that and I'm not like a anatomist. I don't I don't have a physiology background, but I think there's something about that and in the way that someone that's just kind of like getting out there and doing a little bit of jogging, walking, which is a way that I recommend for a lot of people to start out. That kind of shoe tends to like feel the best to them. And I feel like that's don't fight that if that's what feels comfortable to you then go with it um, but then i also feel like there are a lot of people that like zero drop shoes i love zero drop shoes uh, and i run in a variety of different kinds of um, heel drops um, but it might not be as accessible to a lot of people right away especially if you've been kind of sedentary for a long time i think that like going to a zero drop shoe might just be a lot of change on your body like all at once and have the drop kind of like helps your body. It's a little bit of a cheat in a way too, you know, to kind of get that foot turning over, getting it moving, kind of teaching your body like this is the way that we need to move. We're not just going to be sitting around all day anymore. We're, we're doing the thing. We're going to, we're going to try to get in there. And then, you know, as you get to try different shoes, you know, you can kind of figure out, all right, do I like this? Do I like that? Which one feels more natural to me? Um, and that may change over time too. I used to love a 10 millimeter drop shoe and then I was all about four millimeter drop shoes. Mm -hmm. Now it kind of depends for racing shoes. I like four millimeter drops for my everyday. I'm more in like the six to eight categories, what I tend to prefer. So it could change over time too. And I think also if you're a trail runner versus a road runner, that also can change it too. So again, this is where like having a really good um, running shoe store in, in your area is great. Cause a lot of times they'll have like yeah. a treadmill that you can have them bring out a bunch of different options for you. You can try a bunch of them on and get a sense of like, okay. I don't know why I can't tell you why, but maybe I like these two more than these other two. And then maybe you could start figuring out patterns from that. Maybe it's because these two had a different kind of drop and you like that kind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, good advice. I'm glad you brought up trail running because, you know, a lot of people think, 
oh, I'm a road runner. If I need to go to the woods, <laughs> I've got to get a brand new pair of shoes and it got to be these super heavy kind of, you know, strange looking things. You know, what, how should you transition into getting um, into trail running? Um, is it the same advice? Just wear what you got at first? Absolutely. And so like, I think that for most people, unless you live like in a mountainous area, um, a lot of the kind of parks that are around people's neighborhoods, um, even around me, we just moved out to the suburbs and we have a lot more um, green spaces to run in uh, that are softer, natural surfaces. Like even those trails, um, you know, I can get away with just using my regular road running daily trainer shoes most days, unless it's like a particularly wet and muddy day. Um, and even then I could probably get away with it. Um, so like, again, don't let what you think you don't have stop you from trying something new. Um, usually I find people on the trails are pretty, um, excited to see other people that are enjoying the trails too. It's a friendly, friendly mm -hmm. group. And so, um, you know, no one's going to be like, I can't believe that guy's out here. If <laughs> shoes, can you believe that? You know, so I, it's a, it's, no one's going to give you a hard time. Uh, and so like, you know, go out there and try it. I like mixing it up as someone that likes racing road marathons. I've been really enjoying spending more time in the trails because it's a softer surface. It's easier on the body, just like mm -hmm. I like a big cushion shoe. You know, those softer surfaces are just a little bit easier for my body to handle a lot of miles on. And it's just, you know, it's a great way to connect with nature and disconnect from all my screens. So yeah. I've been really enjoying getting into the trails. And then, you know, if you find that like, you know, I wouldn't mind having something a little bit more dedicated, just kind of a new category developing in the, in the trail shoe space that they're calling, they call it a bunch of things like a hybrid shoe or a crossover shoe or a road to trail shoe. But the idea being that like most people live in an area where they're, you've got a driveway and a sidewalk and some streets. And even if you live close to a trail, you probably either have to drive there or, or you might have to mm -hmm. run a mile or two to get there on pavement. And so these shoes can kind of handle both. So they got like road shoe like features, but they've got a little bit more grip and traction. So that could be kind of an area that you could look as these crossover trail shoes. But again, if you don't remember the term, just tell people at the running store, like this is what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to get into the park a little bit and I want something a little bit more grippy than my regular road shoes. They'll be able to help you and find those right shoes. Yeah. Yeah. I live in Asheville, North Carolina, which is the mm -hmm. mountains. And so, mm -hmm. but I'm a road runner, okay. and, but when I do go to the woods, it's Rocky and Rudy. And I definitely felt like I needed to graduate to a pair of dedicated trail shoes. I just needed a harder, um, surface so mm -hmm. that when I hit rocks with my foot, they wouldn't, you know, bruise. <laughs> so it, it, I think it definitely dep depends on the terrain. If you are kind of, you know, doing more mountainous stuff, you might want to look into, um, some tougher shoes, you know, the foam doesn't quite cut it, you know, yeah, yeah. on some of that uh, harder surfaces for sure. Yeah, I ran um, in Nashville for the first time a couple of years ago. Uh, my wife was, had a work trip and we all went as a family and I had no idea that it was mountainous over there. So I was there in my road <laughs> shoes and I was like, Oh, I brought the wrong shoes for this trip. I had no idea. <laughs> but well, we got a, a lot of road too. We got yeah. lots of roads, <laughs> hilly most mostly. But yeah, I, I was not aware of that either. So I was I was in for a lot of surprises that weekend. But yeah, I had a really good. It's a beautiful place to run. 
Yeah, and we have amazing, an amazing running community. So shout out to all um, my Asheville peeps for sure. But fun, fun place to run for sure. So um, you recently did a kind of roundup of your favorite shoes for 2022. I'd love to hear, you know, a quick recap of that. And what are some of your favorite shoes that work best for you? Yeah, so I, I kind of go over like my best from like the four main categories of shoes that I look at. And um, I, I'll give you a trail one too. I didn't do a trail wrap up this year because I don't review that many trail shoes. So I don't feel like I had enough reviews to do a wrap up. But for my my daily trainers, my favorite was the Nova Blast 3. It's definitely on that squishy, bouncy side, but it's also pretty lightweight. And so if you want to take it out for a workout, it can do that too. So if, if you're going to buy one and only one shoe, I feel like the Nova Blast 3 is a really good option. Also, I think there's some of the Nova Blast 2s from last year still floating around, and those are definitely going to be on discount. So that's a great one to pick up. Another category of shoe that I like is the max cushion shoe. So like think about the cushion of the daily trainer, but like kind of double it, um, <laughs> take it to the next level. Those are the kinds of shoes that I wear after a big workout um, and i really just want to pamper the body a little bit more than i do on a regular basis uh, and for that one this year we had a really good option from new balance called the fresh foam more version four it just got so much more foam in it they just called it the more <laughs> so that was a really good one it's a giant shoe it looks a little bit goofy but like when you put it on, you're like, oh, this is really nice. It's like wearing a pair of slippers, but I can run in them. And uh, for a shoe that's as big as it looks, it actually moves pretty well. And so it doesn't feel like you got this big, like it doesn't feel like you're wearing house slippers around. It actually feels <laughs> like a pretty nice running shoe. So I like that one a lot. For speed day shoes, I picked um, a racer that um, is a little bit different for me. I, I think my top like speed shoe was an Adidas shoe called the Takumi Sen. It's more of like a 5K, 10K specialist shoe. So it's like those marathon super shoes that have the big squishy foam with the carbon. It does have some kind of like rigid element in it. I think they call, they call them energy rods. I think it's some sort of plastic, but it helps stabilize the foam a little bit, gives it a little bit of spring, but it's got a really premium racing foam in it and the shoe's usually on sale. So I like that one. Mm. Um, I. I, I ran my fastest 5k ever in it in September. So, you know, anytime a shoe can do that well for me, I always, it, get, <laughs> it earns kind of a special place in my rankings. So I like that one. And then my favorite racing shoe for the year was from ASICS, the Metaspeed Sky Plus. It's got a, a premier racing foam in it, but it's very squishy, but also bounces back really fast. And those are like kind of like the two things. I don't want to step on a pillow and just kind of get smushed. I also need it to kind of bounce back, come back to life and give me like just kind of a little bit of extra pep in my step for the next stride. So those nice. are kind of like my four favorites. Was so. that the shoe that you uh, recently broke your, uh, got your sub three? Yeah. So again, if, if I can get a PR on the <laughs> shoe, you know, it kind of like earns a spot on the shelf. And so, yeah, in grandma's, I was finally able to get under the three hour uh, time barrier for my marathon. It was my fifth try Ooh. trying to do that. And I had a friend pace me too, which was, was very, very helpful. And I don't, I wouldn't yes. have got there without, without his help. But um, yeah, so that, that was a good one for me to run a marathon. And I just really had a lot of fun in that shoe. Congratulations. That's so awesome. Um, you. you know, 
One thing is, I think <laughs> runners tend to be type A, you know, we, <laughs> you know, there's no secret there. Um, and, you know, when we find a pair of shoe, a pair of shoes that we like, and then they change it the next year, it can be the most frustrating thing ever. You know, you finally have done all your tri trials and error and you're like, this is the shoe for me. And then they change it and it's totally different. So <laughs> what do you recommend? Should we just stock up on our favorite pair or, or should we embrace change? What, what would you say about that? Yeah, I, I would say like, I don't think there's a problem at all with like, if you found a shoe that you like, buy a bunch of them, right? Because mm -hmm the shoes will probably change at least a little bit. Now, some shoes aren't really going to change all that much. Like the Brooks Ghost, if that's your favorite shoe, yeah. don't worry. It's not going anywhere. It's one of the best-selling shoes in America, and they've got a formula that they like, and they're not going to stray too far from it. But some of the other shoes can vary quite a bit from year to year. Um, and so, like, you know, if you are someone that has a hard time and it usually takes a couple tries before you get that shoe that really works for you, I would definitely recommend so like, all right, you've got like a hundred miles in or you've run with it for like a couple months and you've been enjoying it and it took you a while to get to that point, go and look for some deals on it. Like one mm -hmm. of my good running buddies, whenever he, it, ta it always takes him a long time to find a shoe that he loves. But when he does, he just sets like a Google, like, like a price alert for it. So anytime like it goes on sale somewhere like online, he'll get like a notification and he'll just buy another pair. And so he just stockpiles as many pairs of them as he can. Cause he knows that he likes that shoe and he doesn't want to go through finding another one. Now I love finding new shoes. So like the novelty is always great for me. And so I'm super excited when I can try something new and, it's like, oh, this one comes in different colors now and the upper's a little bit different. <laughs> what did they do with the outsole? I love all that kind of stuff. Um, but I know like for some of my running buddies, like they just, they're like, I, I hate it when they change the shoe. I don't even know what they did different, but it feels off and I just mm -hmm. want the old one. So I say, you know, if you know that about yourself, then definitely get a bunch of them. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how many pairs of running shoes do you actually own? Let's be, let's find out. Spill yeah, the tea. Well, <laughs> you know, like, uh, so it's changed a lot. So we, we recently moved, we lived in Chicago in the city and then we moved out to the suburbs. And so it used to be, I used to be very aggressive in kind of getting rid of shoes. So I would either, after I finished doing a long-term review, I would either donate them or I have, now I only have one nephew left who's my same size. <laughs> so I usually give them to him. Um, but uh, now that we have a little bit more space out here in the suburbs, I've been kind of holding on to them because I find it useful to be able to compare, you know, prior versions uh, and I have space to, to collect a, a little bit. And I, I'm not, I never keep an accurate tally of it, but <laughs> my wife is complaining because she says the closet looks like a shoe store now because mm -hmm. like the top is just covered in shoes and <laughs> there's also shoes along the bottom too. And like those shoe kind of, display cases and stuff. So I'd say it, and like, and those are the shoes in active rotation. So I think in active rotation, I probably have about 30 different shoes. Ooh. And then um, now in the kind of the collection of shoes that I'm done with, there's probably right now about 25 to 30 shoes. So there's a lot of shoes in the house. <laughs> <laughs> but to be clear, uh, companies give you shoes so that you can talk about them on YouTube and stuff. So you're not buying all of them. You buy some, right? Yeah, I buy some. Um, yeah, I think probably about half of them I buy these days. Um, mm -hmm. And then half of them get sent to me so I can review them. So I'm not paying for all of these shoes. 
<laughs> but, but I still. still do spend quite a bit. <laughs> but it's kind of like it's like my job now to review shoes. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I don't, I never envisioned that like like professional shoe reviewer could ever be a job. But I think that's probably the most accurate way to describe kind of what I do. So it's kind of a business expense. There you go. There you go. So where do you see shoe trends going in the future or what what features would you like to see? Um, I think that we've kind of seen a pendulum swing, right? So we went from Chris McDougall, like born to run, like going from like a slab over, you know, like rubber or leather <laughs> tied to the bottom of your foot um, to like these like jumbo shoes, which are so tall that they had to make rules against some of them getting too big. I think we're going to kind of swing back towards the middle. Um, but I don't think that like the the high amount of cushion and the softness of the shoes, I don't think the demand for that's going to go away. And so what I'm hoping to see is that like through it, more advances in technology and how they can combine both either foams and maybe use carbon or some combination of other materials is get those stack heights a little bit more manageable again, but still deliver the same experience. So I feel like the companies that can figure out that the best next, are they going to be the ones that are leading in like the later part of this decade and into the next? That's kind of, I mean, I'm not a business analyst, but like, I feel like that's where, I feel like that's where we're going. And that's what I'd like to see as a running shoe enthusiast. Perfect. Well, I think that's a great place to wrap it up. Um, before we go, where can listeners connect with you? Uh, I'm most active uh, on YouTube and on Instagram. So I'm Kofuzi, K-O-F-U-Z-I in both places. So um, if you put those into kind of like the search bars, you'll you'll find me pretty easily. Well, great. This has been tons of fun. I'm so glad to have you on the show and to get to know you a little bit and hopefully help people find the perfect running shoe. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much. And now it's time for the Mental Strength Minute. Fortify your mind in 60 seconds or less. Today's topic is called Create an Enemy. All competitive sports involve winning and losing, good guys and bad guys. Part of the thrill of victory is defeating your enemy. You work harder with a lower perception of effort when someone is chasing you or when you are chasing someone down. Use this concept to your advantage by creating an imaginary enemy in a race. Pick out a person to compete with, even if it's really only in your mind. Imagine that this is a high stakes competition with money and glory on the line and see if you can run smarter and more strategically at the beginning and finish faster and stronger at the end. When you add an element of competition, even if it's just imaginary, you just might get the best out of yourself. Of course, don't be a jerk about it or make it obvious that you are playing mind games with this person. This is simply a tool to harness the power of sports to your advantage. Thank you so much for listening or watching the Planted Runner podcast. Don't forget that your Apple podcast review automatically enters you in our monthly contest. One lucky winner will get a signed copy of the Planted Runner book each month this year. So head on over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, and you're automatically entered to win. Your reviews are the biggest factor in the success of this show, and I read every single one. Have a great run today. There is no hood like parenthood. 
When you meet a fellow parent, you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level. Hi, I'm Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm a former CNN journalist, mom of three, including twins, and host of That's Total Mom Sense, the podcast. I interview change makers on their life lessons, legacy, and superpower of intuition, aka their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chadda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.